Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you are, you are here, you are fully present for today's cult meeting, give me an amen. amen. I told you before, now the only person who won't die, we know go join cults. Just the wakaina around on the road. You, just, you are this one which we just do like this. You don't die with that. It's not good. <laughs> what did I say? Everybody must join a cult. You must be, you, and you must be active. You must be an active member. Alright, go for meeting, eat the sacrifices. Alright, kill somebody if necessary, the devil. <laughs> you get my point. <laughs> the Lord is good. Why, why we are here is because we know this is the deepest of the cults. Amen? To be a believer is a real one. And it may sound like a joke when I say it, but actually, the word mystery in the Bible, that's what it means. When you're talking about the mysteries of God, that's what it's talking about. All right? So we are members of that. We are, we are elite members. Let me put it like that. We have been initiated into this mystery of Christ. And it's open to everybody. All right? We don't kill people because this, the deepest... Look, sacrifices no be to do. Those days, they used to do all kinds of sacrifices that they were real. Even human sacrifices had this power. It did. Israel wanted to attack a city. A man sacrificed his son that was supposed to reign after him. Israel had it rough. Even God told them, pull back. Everybody pull back. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm sometimes trying to understand that thing in, in, in depth. But to let you know that it's not a joke. It's not a joke. When God gave human beings, all right, when he gave them animal sacrifices, when he gave it, it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats, the Bible says, could not take away sin. Why God gave it to them was as a foreshadow of what Jesus was going to do. So every man who sacrificed a goat, you know, a ram, all right, in, according to the faith of, that God taught them then, they were actually sacrificing the Lord Jesus Christ ahead. So that is why we do what we do. We are, we are partakers of the greatest sacrifice that has ever been made. That's it. The sacrifice that took away all the sins. Say, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole earth. That's why we are partic- That's why we don't get involved. You know, let me just say it. I know I'm digressing. That's why somebody tell you, come and redeem your firstborn. Tell the person, get away. Which, which firstborn am I redeeming? What did Jesus die for? And say, give an offering for the redemption of your family. Say, no, lie, lie, I will not date. He said, give them a, a sacrifice so that your, your bondage will be broken. Say, it's a lie. I am not... Look, the only sacrifices we have now as believers is sin that sacrifice of praise. Are you getting my point? Sacrifice of thanksgiving. Then when you see a good work, you participate in it. When they gave to Paul, he said it was like a sweet-smelling sacrifice. When they participated in his ministry. That is sacrifice. It's, it's all, these are just gratitude things that we do. Why? Because the real sacrifice has been made. What we need now is to just learn how to tap into it. To appropriate it for ourselves. Are you getting my, my point here? Many of the things we do as people, we don't realize that we are denying what Christ has done. Somebody tell you that, look, your firstborn, come and redeem your firstborn. You are denying that Jesus died for that firstborn. I'm sorry to say it like this. Many of those things are just nothing but money, money collecting gimmicks. I heard people say that, look, <laughs> you will now bring a sacrifice. Listen, that your money is not, a, is not the sacrifice that will deliver you. When we Christians give, we give for a number of reasons. One, we are, we are grateful. Two, we are loving people. We want to share, he said, bear one another's burdens. Three, we understand that, look, if the gospel will be preached, I can keep on saying, 
as much as I love for what God is using him to do in a country like Nigeria, a man like Dangote, I will never go to him and say, sir, can you give us a million naira to preach the gospel? It's an insult on that gospel. If I have to go to a man who has not believed to give me money to preach, he should never believe. I am telling him he doesn't have to believe. So who are, who and who is preach the gospel? It's you and me. Those who already believe in that gospel. These are the reasons why Christians give. And anybody who is not a giver is a sinner. Yes, it's the word of God. <laughs> because you are not like your father. You are walking in sin. Look, giving must be a habit. Are you getting my point? I'm just going to emphasize that, listen, the sacrifice has been made. Somebody say, look, if you give an offering, if it doesn't pay you, it's an offering, it's not a sacrifice. Tell the person they lie. Anything I give is a sacrifice, it's an offering, it's everything. He said, David said, I will not give to God, that will just not cost me. That's misinterpretation of scripture. What was David saying? You know, sometimes in church, we say, in churches we do some things, very funny things, right? we do some of business in churches. We say something like, okay, everybody take an offering. If you don't have an offering, ask your neighbor. Have you heard that before? Yes, that was what David was saying. Why should I be the one giving an offering and you are the one putting it in the envelope? <laughs> I don't know whether you get what I'm going to say. So it's like saying that, okay, I don't have an offering here. Okay, please give me something to put here. You, I didn't give. You did. So that's what David was saying to that man. That why would I be the one to, why would I be offering a sacrifice and you'll be the one paying for it? He wasn't saying that this thing is paining me as I'm giving it to God. My intestine is just turning. God, it wasn't money I needed for something now you're not collecting it all. That was not what David was saying. What he was saying is that when I want to give an offering, it must be my money. You get the concept here? When I'm giving an offering, it must be my money. I cannot give with your money. Are you getting my point? You make a pledge. Let's pledge right now. Okay, who will give 10,000? Uh, Pastor Kemote will give 10,000. And I'm the one saying it. Ah, you are going to say, ah, okay, please, how far? Did we discuss? <laughs> so I'm pledging on your behalf. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. That was what David was saying. What am I going to say in all of these things? It's not your own effort that's delivering you. Amen? Amen. Jesus has already offered the sacrifice. What you now need to do what? is what? Tap into it. Tap into it by the power of words. I hope you get my point there. So that's why we have incantations once in a while. You must look, turn your Bible into a book of incantations. If I want to talk about that a bit, a bit again today, there must be, there are, there are incantations you use for certain times. If people gather against you in the office, they say, this place, you won't make any progress. Some people say, oh, my enemies die. That's not the word of God. When you want to talk to those people, you pray for them. Say, God, they are stupid. They are ignorant. They don't know anything. Then when you want to incantate on the matter, you go to Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. That's it. You don't want to talk. Just read the scripture into the heavens. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. Say, no weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. That's all. Say those words. The word can think. We'll talk about no, the word think. The word knows who to shoot, who to who to help to repent. If you try to make that judgment, you will be, you, you you will disobey Christ. Jesus said, "Judge not that you may not be judged," because you don't even know who you should be judged. There are people. Let I me mean, think about it. If Peter was allowed, all right, to determine who to die, number who person, number one person who would die was Paul. After you kill Stephen, you are dead. Church, let's join our hands. That guy who's raging against the church. Join your hands. What's his name again? Shaul. All right. 
call him. Somebody spell his name. We cast him down. Saul, Saul, we speak to you. Die. As mine is going on the road. But, uh, those things work. People will die. Whatever you shall bind on earth. Those guys bound that man. What freed Saul so that he might save you and I today was that Stephen looked and said, Lord, have mercy on him. That's why you have to be very careful. You don't know who God wants to slaughter. You don't know who wants to... Are you getting my point? So what you do is that you leave the Holy Spirit to make the distinction. So how do you do You just release the word. No weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. That word can think. That word knows who to kill, who to live alive. That's how we handle it. Look, let's start. Let's look. I'm already getting ahead of myself. It's a good day today, man. All right, let's declare the word of God as we start to study today. One, two, go. Declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That is your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. The word will heal you again today in Jesus' name. Amen. Everything that you ate that was going to disturb your stomach, turn to, you know, doctors say that this one is carcinogenic. Whatever it is that you have eaten, it is healed out of your body now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every pain that was planning to start, we discontinue it in Jesus' name. Amen. As the word is coming into your ears, into your heart, from there it is radiating into every part of your body, giving strength to your bones in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's discarding malaria out of your blood. Amen. Look, let anybody, nobody lie to you, say you have to have local cost. No, that is medically stupid and it's spiritually wrong. Amen. <laughs> You, you hear that noise around? I, I, I just feel like telling somebody. He said, the reason why you're having back pain is to have local cause. Medically, it's around rubbish. You know, it's so annoying. If you want to, if you, if you want to say it's a Gwangi spirit, I understand. Are you getting my point? I may disagree with you, but at least it makes sense in that realm. When I ask, give me the name Staphylococcus, those of us who know Staphylococcus, we get angry. It doesn't cause back pain. It doesn't make you strain in the toilet. Doesn't disturb your sleep. Are you getting my point? If Alaji Water is telling you local cause treatment, don't mind him. He's a, he's a native doctor. <laughs> Forget that suit. The man is a native doctor. Okay? You know, people are very funny. They now go and do culture. What they call culture? They say go and do culture and they grow stuff local cause. You know why they grow stuff local cause? I can grow it from your nose. I can grow it from your skin. It's everywhere. They have different species and strains of them. Most of them don't really cause, some of them just cause pimples in young boys, young girls, that's all. They don't do much issues. The ones that cause problems, don't, they don't cause back pain. They cause boil, as an example. Like somebody's been having a headache, they tell you, come and treat staphylococcus, and they go to church, praise the Lord, the Lord of chosen has delivered me from staphylococcus. I, it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a testimony I saw, printed in the Lord of Chosen. I was so embarrassed, I almost jumped under my table. You know, well, you know these are my brethren. Are you getting my point? 
embarrassing the gospel like this. As if the Lord of Church does not know the difference. Anyway, the Lord of Church just deli- you have been delivered, amen? Fine. Forget that staff local cause in the cause in there. <laughs> so if you are here today, whether it's staff local cause or staff cooker, whatever it is, you are delivered in Jesus' name. Amen. I just wanted to give you correct information and then give you the more accurate information. The correct one is that those problems are not caused by that poor organism. <laughs> they are not. And other things, people are owing everybody. <laughs> they don't sleep well at night, they, be, they blame Staphylococcus. That is Staphylococcus. That's the one that is disturbing <laughs> you, I'm telling you. Listen, some of these bad dreams, people dream. It's nothing. It's nothing. You say they are chasing me in your dream, in my dream. Why won't they chase you? You are a in the market, everybody supply you something. You're supposed to settle them since three, six months ago. You haven't settled it today. Even if you were you, wouldn't you chase you in your dream? If it was you, wouldn't you come and chase yourself in the dream? I think about it. Now they're chasing me in my dream. Let me tell you, it's all your creditors that are chasing you in your dream. You say they came and they showed like this. It's for your fear. Are you getting my point? Fear can wear cloth and come into your dream and speak to you. Say, I will kill you. Yeah, listen, it's not a witch. Why don't these people come to my dream? Have you noticed? They don't worry me in my own dream. They don't know the address of my dream house. You know the truth? We create most of them. Once you have knowledge, they disappear. They dissolve. Let's finish our prayer, John. In the name of Jesus, you are delivered. Amen. The word is entering you, is healing you entirely in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. No matter what it is, no matter the name it goes by, once the word comes, the word has life. The word is life. It's dissolving that affliction entirely in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I say to you again, you are free. Amen. From every ancestral problems, you are free. Amen. I don't care whether it comes down by genes that are recognized, you are still free. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says it's able to save to the uttermost anyone that will draw near to God by him. No matter what it is, you are saved from it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the midst of afflictions, you are kept. If there's economic trouble, you will survive. You will win. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. It's our school of prayer. I want to begin to explain some things again on how to apply the word of God by looking at it from a particular perspective. I'm titling it the rod of God. Alright? How to use the rod of God. A few weeks ago, I was meditating and I came to this understanding and I felt like, okay, we should tackle it in our teaching so that people will understand how to handle life. Um, let me just say something again about what Christianity is. Life has different realms, okay? I've explained that again and again. And I would like to just use the expression, you know, when Paul talked about different levels of heaven, talked about a man being caught up to the third heavens. What I want to emphasize from there is the fact that there are different levels even in the heavenly realm. Sometimes we misunderstand this. Let's just keep on explaining that so that people will understand. Um, Sometimes you hear spiritual laws. You you know, there are all these occultists and all these um, juju men, you know what I'm saying? There's what they call shamanism. All these shamans, all those kind of people, they actually operate spiritual laws. What people don't understand is that these things come in different realms, all right? They come in different levels. That's what I am trying to emphasize to us as believers. They come in different realms, they come in different levels. The height, the top, the top of the food chain, are you getting my point? 
the ultimate height is a realm that is called Christ. That is what happens in Christ. If you ever read some physics, they'll tell you that the laws of physics, they fail when they get into the center of a black hole. If you enter a black hole, all the laws just collapse. All right, They disintegrate. In the same manner, when you get to the realm of Christ, many things don't make sense anymore. For example, you start seeing things like, um, now listen to this, you have to understand this. You say, whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap, right? Which is true, it's not a lie. Those are tangible spiritual laws. But then you go to the realm of Christ. The man sows something and reaps something. And it looks initially that is different. Now, the reason is because what he sows, is sowing now is being processed. Are you getting my point? Through Christ. So the man sins. That is what? Sowing. He sows sin and then he reaps in quotes life. Ah, say what is going on? But what happened, what he didn't see was that when he sowed, all right, when he was sucked into the realm of Christ, the things that he sowed were forgiveness came into it. Are you getting my point? And then he said, okay, what do we do? He has sold something, must repeat. He said, okay, let Jesus repeat on his behalf. Are you getting my point? So he sold sin, Jesus ripped death. And then Jesus sold righteousness, and this man is ripping life. So it will appear as if the man sold sin and ripped life. It's not really because the, the spiritual laws failed, it's because it's been processed through Christ. So those who walk in the realm of Christ, they walk in a different realm. They walk in a different realm. Like I was saying earlier, they are not delivered by their own sacrifices. They are delivered by the sacrifice of another person. And they say, okay, how do you connect with that sacrifice? They say it is simply by your faith. So in Christ, things work differently. And the mistake a lot of people make is that when they learn a little bit of spiritual laws, they want to start applying those laws, but they don't process it through the realm of Christ. And for that reason, you see people emphasizing that if you want to receive, give. If you want to receive, give. Jesus said, no, now. If you want to give, give. If you want to receive, ask. He said, how do you, okay, well, how are we going to handle it? He said, ask in my name. That is, when you want to ask, you ask in the realm of Christ. But Christians often mix the two. They want to say, hey, if you want to receive from God, you can't go empty-handed. It's a lie. It is not true. It's not in alignment with Scripture. You see throughout, 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 all through Scripture, but Jesus made it clear, if you want to receive from the Father, ask in my name. The Father himself loves you. And James now came and explained it. You have not because you sow not. What did he say? Are you getting my point? So, the, the, no, but you see, when Christians don't get it, they not start focusing on, no, give, give, so you can receive. And then the more they give, listen to me, and they focus on what they have given, the less they receive. Why? They will have received more if they asked in the name of Jesus, and listen to this, so what about giving? They now give only as a sign of faith. You, you, you get my point? Like I said earlier, I'm not saying Christians you don't give. I said they give for a different reason. Because faith, lack of faith, prevents the blessing from manifesting. So sometimes God wants to bless somebody. He has asked, said, Lord, please, oh, I need this money to pay my, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm going to do postgraduates, I need money for school fees. So God, let's just make it simple. They say, manifestation from the word of God that I have supplied it, don't worry. So God wants to know whether he really believes it. So at night you'll be at home and they will knock, go, 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 please help, help, help. They rush out to go and help a neighbor. Then I say, oh, the fellow is having a particular attack. We need to buy a drug. How much is the drug? Uh, 15,000 naira. Ah. 
Somebody's life is at risk. Are you getting my point? He's looking for what? School fees. He has prayed to God. Now, listen to what I'm saying here. So God not just gives a small test whether he really believes. And I say, listen, you know, this money I have. Now, look, God has presented a superior need. A more urgent need. What is your postgraduate degree compared to somebody's life? You know what God is just saying? Let me see how you will choose. If the man says, I beg, a bird in hand is walking in the bush. Please, me, I beg, neighbors, see, see, this is 500. Now everybody gather the rest. And God made sure you had the money complete that day. What, what you have done is to simply deny a miracle. That's all. It is not as if it's that giving that's going to make. God has already prov- provided. But just say, do you really believe me? Or you are still holding on to what you have. So Paul had to write to them. He said, instruct those, he was writing to Timothy, that are rich not to trust in what they have. They should put their hope in God. And how you prove that is occasionally God brings to you a need superior, you know, more intense, more urgent than yours, but which your money can handle. You are getting the point. But when you are laying it up bit by bit, one night right here, ten night right here, five night right there, six night right there, fifteen night right there, and you are going towards two thousand. You have a long way to go. So what he does is I say, ask me for the two thousand. You ask. Say, fine. You have received this amen. You say amen. Fine. Go and relax. Then a young child will come one day. I've not eaten since morning, me and my brother. And we don't know where our parents are. Remember, you have just about 15 naira. And to feed the two of them, maybe like 8 naira. Because let me see what you will do. If you say, you know I have problems, so all of us get problems. <laughs> what you have done is to deny. That's why, listen, as a believer, you must, your hands are like this. Are you getting my point? Yes. Free. Lose. Free. Not grabbing anything. Just free. It should be like this. Not like this, really. It should be like this. That is very loose. You know why I want it like this? That when God drops it, you catch it. Well, somebody say, can I have a bit of it? You are not, it's never like this. Okay, take a bit. Take a bit. That's how Christians give. All this. Push it in and wind the machine and let it pour it out. It's not Christianity. Do you get my point? Do you get what I'm going to say here? Uh-huh. Listen, we have to learn. Look, it's an important thing we must do to learn how to move in that realm of Christ. What does that mean? To, so that we know that it's not our own labor. We, almost, we, always, we always have to work so that we know it's not our labor. It's Christ that paid. Are you getting my point? Alright, the Lord is good. So I was saying that, so you see, there are different realms, therefore. That realm of Christ, we must learn how to walk in it. Now, I want to explain a principle here, which is a foundation of prayer. One of the foundations. Like I said, I touched the rod of God. That's the title I gave it, the rod of God. Let's quickly start from the book of Exodus chapter 4. There are three portions of the Bible I want to read. Exodus chapter 4. Then we are going to read um, Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah. And then last of all, we read the words of the Lord Jesus when he was teaching how to pray. Exodus chapter 4. I want you to look at something here. Let's start from verse 1. Now here we see the encounter when God called Moses, was commissioning him to go and deliver the people of Israel. From verse 1, 
Then Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff or a rod, depending on the version you are reading. Then he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Alright, let's just, um, let's continue reading, jump a few verses. Now if you go down to verse 6, uh, no, not verse 6, I'm looking for, I want to just save time. Okay, let's just read it from verse 15. He was talking about Aaron, when Aaron showed up, he said, you are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I, even I, will be your mouth and his mouth. And I will teach you what to do. Now notice verse 16. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people. And he will be a mouth for you. And you will be as God to him. He now said, you shall take in your hand this staff or this rod. With which you shall perform the signs. Please, I want you to notice that. Alright? You shall take this staff or this rod in your hand. And with that, you are going to perform signs. Now, quickly, let's read, um, which one do we read now? Let's quickly go to the book of Jeremiah. I want to read something else there. When God spoke to Jeremiah, we know the story. Jeremiah said, I am too young, I cannot do all of these things. Then God said to him, don't lift up the wrong rod or the wrong staff. Stop saying, I am too young. I'm the one that just adapted that. He said, do not say I am a youth in verse 6. But the Lord said to me, verse 7, do not say I am a youth. Sorry, I mixed that up. The Lord said in verse 7, do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. He said, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. Now please notice that. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. Remember, I put my words in your mouth. I appointed you over the nations. With my words, this is what you are going to do. You are going to pluck up. You are going to break down. You are going to destroy. And you are going to overthrow. With my words also, you will build and you will plant. I hope you are getting my point here. What God did was to put something in his mouth. He now said in verse 11, The word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over that rod. (laughs) Are you getting my point? I am watching over my word to perform it. What I'm bringing up from there is the fact that I said I see a rod of an armor tree. With this particular scripture, I'm connecting the staff in the hand, alright, which is the, rod, the shepherd's rod or shepherd's staff in the hand of Jeremiah. This is the staff essentially that God was given to, sorry, in the hands of Moses. This is the staff or rod that God was given to Jeremiah. And he said, with that rod, you are going to pluck up and break down nations and kingdoms. You are going to destroy and overthrow them. And you are going to build and you are going to plant. That is, the man was not going to struggle by his own words, by his own efforts. But we're just going to use that which God has given him. And when God was commissioning Moses, what he did was to give, leave, was to give him a rod to empower the staff that was in his hands 
And he said to him, with this one, you are going to do what? Do wonders. With this, you are going to do the signs that I'm commanding you to do. It was crucial. If you read through the scriptures again and again, Moses, anytime he want to do something, he will lift up the rod of God in his hand. He always did that. Because without it, there was no power. Without it, there was no authority. I hope you are getting what I'm going to say here. So what is that rod for us as believers? And that's why we are reading here. It is the word of God. He said to Jeremiah, I have placed my words in your mouth. He said, now I have appointed you to go and do this assignment. You are not going to do it with your own strength. Just take the rod like Moses lifted up that rod. Every time he needed to do a miracle. Every time he needed to walk a sign. You too will take the appropriate word that I have given you for each season. And you will lift it up against every situation. And you will use that rod to perform the sign in that situation. I hope what I'm saying is clear. It's not about your own personal effort. You will remember when Moses, when the Joshua and Co. went to fight in, uh, I think it was in Ai. Was it in Ai? Or Amalek? It was Amalek now. Okay, you remember that Moses was there, alright, and lifted up his hand. Now, we usually think of the hands of Moses. That's what we think about. But we don't remember why his hands were up. The hands were up because he had to lift up the rod. I hope you're getting what I'm going to say here. It was very important, okay? Let's let just read this, okay? Let, so, because this is the, the, the record things. Yes, Exodus chapter 17. From verse 8. Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses sent to Joshua, said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Now notice what he said. Tomorrow I will station myself where? On the top of the hill with what? With what? Some say the rod of God, depending on your version, or the staff of God in my hand. Are you noticing that? We often overlook that. We talked about the fact that his hands were raised. But the man said, I am going there to lift up the rod of God in my hand. You are getting the point. He said, Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and her went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held, up his, held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. Was it his hand or the rod, really? No, answer me warmly. It was the rod. Because he said with his own mouth, I will go up to the top of the mountain with the rod of God in my hand. So when the hand went down, it was the rod that came down. You are getting the point here. Alright? And then when the... Um, let's go back there. Verse um, 12. Verse 11. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand were, were heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady, with the rod of God, I'm amplifying it now, in his hands, until the sun set. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now I want you to understand what I'm trying to bring out here. It is what we lift up that determines our victory. It is not the effort we put in. I hope you are getting my point. 
It is what we lift up that determines our victory. It's not the effort we put in. Human beings usually, these are how Christians, unfortunately, who are supposed to be walking the realm of Christ, this is how they behave. It's very unfortunate, you know. Solomon said it's an evil I've seen under the sun. You see Christians talking like Muslims, and Muslims getting results that Christians are supposed to get. That's what Solomon said he saw. You see servants riding on horses and princes, you know, struggling on the earth. They're the ones that are supposed to be riding on horses. This is what they do. We often put in a lot of physical effort while our roads are down. So Joshua, which is our effort, that is our outward manifestation of, you know, effort. So, because Joshua was a man that went to battle. He was the one that was physically fighting. But you see, the victory was not dependent on the strength or the techniques of Joshua. It was dependent upon the position of the rod in the hands of Moses. Even when Joshua himself had to fight against Ai, he also learned that technique. He said, listen, boys, go and fight. Then he went behind and stretched his javelin. He had learned it from Moses. That I could go to the battle and say, we need as many generals as possible. And nobody is there lifting up the rod. So what did he do? He took his javelin, he stood some distance away, and just lifted it up and pointed it. And as long as that hand was up also, they prevailed. I hope you're getting my point here. So what we often do is that we put in a lot of energy. We wake up by 6 a.m. That's 6 a.m. By that time, it's already noonday. I mean, (laughs) we wake up by 4.30. We are up, getting ready, planning the day. Because we read a book on how to strategically organize your day. 17 habits of effective people. They know the goal for the day. They set each goal. So by 8 o'clock, I will have seen six clients. By nine, they will have answered me. By ten, I will have made my, you know, you will strategize and plot it very well. And we go out in the morning and we move, we move, 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 and move like that till, you know, till night and come back home. If you get results like that, you won't live longer. That's not a curse, that's a warning. You know why? One, you are not likely to succeed like that, number one. But let's assume you, in fact, may you fail. You know why? Because if you fail, you will learn. If it works, you are in trouble. You will get hooked and addicted to it. You are converting your human, the, the soul energy that God gave you for survival, all right, to use to seek Him. You are converting it to success. Then one day it will deplete. They say you are 52. You have heart failure. You have a stroke at the age of 52. And you are wondering what happened. What happened was that Joshua was walking. There was no Moses on the mountain with the rod of God in his hand. Do you get my point? For us as believers, success doesn't come from that amount of outward thing. No. The primary thing we do is to lift up the rod. When Christians behave like that, in God's mercies, they normally fail. They will struggle, they will collapse. That was what happened to Israel. Every time they had a good strategy for going to battle, they failed. But when they bothered to seek the face of God before going, they succeeded. In this particular situation, you see, Moses went up there and kept the rod. It's the position of the rod that determines your victory in life. Like I said earlier, it's what is lifted up. What is the rod for us? The rod is the word of God. What is Joshua going to battle in Amalek? It's our struggle, our everyday hustle, the effort we put in. I've told you as a believer, business books are good, but that's not the foundation. 
If you see the strategy that they work, listen, if you are using the same strategy as everybody else outside, be very, very careful. Say something is wrong. Once in a while in your life, you have to do something foolish. And when I say foolish, it's not just I just wake up in the morning, let me do what is foolish today. No. You will reason. Come to a conclusion based on scripture and prayer and decide that this is what I am going to do. Then that thing, people now say it's very foolish. Then you know you are close to salvation. If you make a decision after you have prayed and studied the word of God and maybe had sound Christian counsel, you now make a decision. And that decision, people now tell you, those who don't understand the same faith, who don't understand the word of God, now tell you it's foolish. Just know you are close to salvation. If your reasoning is foolish to you, believe me, it's foolish. That is, if you are, you are trying to do something and it looks foolish, you say, I'm doing it by faith. I know it's foolish. It's not faith. It's foolishness. Did you hear me? Let me say it again. If you want to do something and to you it looks foolish, hmm? and then somebody says, it's because you are walking by faith. He said, this is foolish. You know the truth? It is indeed foolish. It's not faith. It's foolishness. He said, when is it faith? This is when it is faith. When you reason with God's word and the understanding of the word of God, all right, tells you this is what to do. It's not that the Holy Spirit said to you, which is the problem a lot of Christians have. They say, it was Holy Spirit that told me. Most of the time, Holy Spirit was not even around. You understand my point? We, <laughs> no, really. We, 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 we have to get that thing right. When you talk about that Holy Spirit, it is that the Spirit of Christ working in you gave you understanding. And based upon the understanding of divine precepts, you came to a, a conclusion. And that is what, that is the Spirit of God leading you. Now, you do that, you come to that conclusion, and people say it is foolish. To you, it makes sense, but it only makes sense because you deduce with God's word. Let me give you a very simple example. One of our brothers, I've told this story many times, he went to apply in Luth to work, where I used to work, and I know people there. So I told him, ah, when you were going, why did you tell me? Now, this is what normal people would do. You apply, and you start saying, who do you know? Because it's highly competitive. Who do you know? Who can speak for me? You do all of that. And listen, really, it's not as if it's an evil thing. Okay? In fact, when he told me, the first thing I said was that, ah, you went to apply in Luth? He said, yes. I said, why didn't you tell me? Now, that's what I'm going. The normal human thing is that, let's see who we know. You know the answer he gave me? He didn't forget that I knew people there. He, he was, I mean, someone that's close to me. He knew I could make one or two phone calls for him. But he said, he told me to my face, you taught us that we don't need to know anybody to get what we need to get in life. I said, okay. I apologize, I'm sorry. He just, no, now, see, see the reasoning. Assuming now, as an example, this is a mistake a lot of people make. Assuming he didn't get the job. You know what many people will say? He should have, are you getting my point? But that's not true. That would have just meant that that was not what God wanted to give him. He says simply, no. In fact, the, what he told me that you taught us, you, you. <laughs> he didn't say it like that. Are you getting my point? <laughs> <laughs> but the emphasis that he pointed out to me that what I taught is that it's not necessary. That it's not necessary. What does that tell you? It means he came to his conclusion based upon understanding of the word of God. To the average person, it's foolish, right? But to him, 
It's wisdom. It's faith. No matter the argument you want to give, you can give 10 different stories, but there was one thing he said, if God is with me, their differences have departed from them. Are you getting my point? Which was what um, 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 Joshua and Caleb said. Okay, that's a very good one. When you find Joshua, Caleb, untrained men coming out of Egypt, they want to go and fight giants in their own land. It's very stupid. What you should do is to go in, strategize, plot, see how you poison the giants and stuff like that. They didn't do that. Joshua said, let us go at once. Caleb said, that's my opinion too. We will go up at once. They said, but the people are bigger than us. They didn't say they are not bigger. That's what the people don't know about faith. Faith understands what is physically real. But he has another information which most people don't have. So Joshua and Caleb said, uh, yes, they are bigger. We are like grasshoppers in their eyes. That's just the way it is. He said, however, if our God is with us, that's added information. So you see, with Joshua and Caleb, let us go at once was reasonable. Why? Our God is with us. For the other people, they did not put in that information of our God being with us. Please, I hope you are getting my point. The same thing with David. When David went after Goliath, it was not as if he said, we never can tell you, let's just see. David said, listen, it's not the first time. One, these are my principles. This is an uncircumcised Philistine. We are of the army of the living God. Two, I've tried this my theory before. When an uncircumcised bear came after me, <laughs> are you getting my point? I went after it. When a lion did the same, the same principle, he said, this one will be, now listen to me, to David, this was reasonable. He couldn't understand what your problem was if he couldn't see it. It was everybody else that thought it was foolish. Are you getting my point? If your decisions are foolish to you, they are foolishness. For the person walking by faith, his reasoning to him is reasonable. It's very reasonable to him, the decision he's making. Why? Because spiritual things are real to him. The help of God is real to him. But the people that are saying this man is being foolish, they don't see those things as real. They see it as religion. They say, forget that thing. Let's be practical. Forget church now. This is real life. That this church is not real life. Faith is not real life. This is one thing we do on Sunday so that we look like nice guys. You know, if you don't go to church now, no girl will marry you. You know people do things like that? Yes. Many women go to church only because it must not be head. A man wants to marry. I say, which other does she go? She doesn't have a church to give. They say, this girl is wicked. So many people, for them, that's what church is about. It's just a way of boosting our social standing. So when we want to think, we have to get really practical. Can God help? Forget that thing. Heaven helps only those who help themselves. All right? Let's just get me. <laughs> Are you getting the point I'm making? Yes, Listen, if any man is walking by faith, if a woman is walking by faith, the decisions he or she is making, they are reasonable to her. And when you have made such decisions, and everybody else says you are foolish, believe me, you are close to salvation. In your life, somebody must laugh at you one day. If they don't laugh at you, you will not succeed. I'm not kidding. Somebody must feel sorry for you. Say, I just feel sorry for you. When, when people are feeling sorry for you, because of faith, Believe me, you will do well in this life. 
You know why? There's a prayer that has been activated. Let not my enemies triumph over me. I told you all the prayers of Jesus, of David, they are prophetic prayers of Jesus. Jesus prayed it. The Father answered him. Are you getting my point? And then he gave the answer to you as a gift. Did you get that? So if you see any prayer, especially in the book of Psalms, it's been answered. It has been answered. When he said, let me not be ashamed. Let them not say, aha, aha, where is his God? These are prayers that Jesus has already prayed and the Father has heard. So when you are laughed at, you've activated that one in your direction. Say, Baba God, see They laughed. Say, that laughter must come to an end. <laughs> no, really, I'm very serious about that's how spiritual things work. That, that will say, all my enemies die. You will not succeed in life if all your enemies die. Because they say, prayer. He prepares the table before me. In the presence of my enemies. If they're all dead, that's your table will never complete. The carpenter won't finish the table. <laughs> no, that's life. So when people don't like you, rejoice. Say, good. My table is moving. Somebody look at you with envy. Say, good. That guy is helping me build my table. So, but you get any other friend who won't join you. Because the more you guys are, the bigger my table is. Why? It's a prophetic word. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Please, I hope you are following the point I'm making. Now, so what's the point we are making? No, I, I, no, I digress into that, trying to explain something that occasionally in your life, all right, you will do something foolish. So I want to explain what that foolishness means. So I wasn't saying that I just wake up in the morning and be irrational. That's not what I mean. I mean faith will provoke you to make decisions that average people would think all right, is unreasonable, all right, or unreasonable. Now, but I was saying earlier, so you find that Joshua, all right, went, he did something odd. Instead of saying that we need many more generals in the battle, he took a step away, and at that point, he wasn't giving commands. All he was doing was just lifting up a rod, all right, which was his own javelin, and pointing it in the direction of the battle. That was all he was doing, lifting up a rod, pointing it in the direction of the battle, instead of being physically involved. The reason is because except the rod is lifted, the outward effort is nothing. Are you getting my point? Except a rod is lifted in your back, all right? Except a rod, somebody's on the mountain lifting up that rod, all the outward efforts are nothing. You become unlucky. When things you work out where suddenly they will not work. And some, some people, of course, the way the common man I interpret is that uh, somebody does not want me to succeed. Let me tell you the truth, it's not the revelation. Every day of your life, hmm? Somebody doesn't want you to succeed. So don't let me like the fact that you failed. You think everybody wants that I'm going to build a refinery. You think, <laughs> you think everybody likes the fact that I'm preaching here? <laughs> Somebody sent me a mail the other day. He said, this is your message. They will not invite you to come to many places. You will spoil business. It's true. This was a mail we read just last week. Say, God bless you, sir. The Lord will help. I mean, with prayer. I said, but let me just warn you. <laughs> You're not going to many big places, though. Because the way you talk, you will close shop for people. You are getting my point. So if somebody doesn't want you to succeed, it's not news. Every day the devil wants you to fail. He wants you to die. You know why you have not died? He has not succeeded. So it's not a revelation that eh, some people don't want me to succeed. I've heard people say that pastors prophesy to them that, this, that many people will be envious of this, your success. I said, well, it's not a revelation. That guy is a practicing prophet. Are you getting my point? He's still learning. 
No, if you want to learn to prophesy, that's how you do it too. No, that's how you do it now. You just say, okay, there was one. Somebody sent us a picture the other day. He said, send this. He said, today is Sunday. Send it to everybody in your contact. You will get another Sunday within seven days. He said, if you don't send this, he said, one of my friends ignored to send it. Within 24 hours, he got it Monday. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the day I got it, I couldn't download the picture because where we were, in Macadi, the, the internet was very poor. So it was on, on Monday, when, I, when we left Macadi, I was able to download it. And I sent my friend, I said, oh, God, I, I didn't see this on time. Now, see, now I got it Monday, within 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, that's how to practice, how to prophesy. You come to somebody, say, I want you to know, somebody doesn't want you to succeed. They don't want you to succeed. Come here, come here. In the name of Jesus, be free. That's practicing prophecy. Because there's nothing you have said that is special. Someone got on TV, was there, said, come, your uncle. He said, you have many men in your family. There are women there too. <laughs> How can there be men in the family and there won't be women? Come, you, they will have told you that, ah, your mother. Ah, your mother, you have a mother, right? Yes, and you said he's not. <laughs> Does he have a mother? Did I drop from heaven? <laughs> you are laughing at this, but that is the same thing when they tell you that there are people who don't want you to succeed. It's the normal thing. And Jesus said it ahead of time. So these Pharisees, they don't want me to succeed. These Sadducees, they don't want me to succeed. He said, if they don't want me to succeed, they also will not want you to succeed. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I hope you're getting my point here. Sometimes when people are not lifting up their rod and things don't work out well, they say they start blaming people. Please forget all of these things. That's what I'm trying to emphasize to believers. You cannot afford to be looking for who to blame. 